0: Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen. We've got some great stuff today. The best and worst Super Bowl commercials just based on persuasion. Not likability, but on persuasion. And if you ever thought about internet marketing or Amazon, got a great interview with Adam Hudson. So hopefully when everyone's having a great week, you're out there persuading with power. Let's take a dive into the Super Bowl commercials. And if you're out of the country, it's the biggest sporting event in the world and so companies spend four million dollars a pop for these commercials and some hit home runs and some bomb out so a lot of people watch the super bowl they're not even football fans or american football not the normal world football but american football so let's go from best to worst based on persuasion these would be the ninja Woo! Because you might laugh, but did you remember it? Did you buy from them? Will you ever buy from them? Will you ever give them a chance? That's what makes a big difference. I'm looking at the persuasion side of these Super Bowl commercials. First ones we got to mention, Bud Light. Bud Light did a joint venture with HBO. It was great use of the Zagarnik effect. Now, what the Zagarnik effect is, you remember things that are unfinished, that arouse suspense or intrigue or curiosity. And Bud Light did their standard... Dilly dilly commercial, Middle Ages, but all of a sudden a dragon came in, and it was a joint venture with HBO the Game of Thrones. And the dragon came in, pretty much burned everything up, and announced the uh, new season of Game of Thrones. So that one was persuasive for people that are in those worlds. Also, Bud Light did another one with corn syrup. Kind of ripping on light beer and Coors Light that they don't use corn syrup, and that was kind of an interesting one. So. Bud Light did some research. They were probably one of the most memorable ones. Another great one was Pepsi, more than okay. had some star power with Steve Carell, Little John, Cardi B, and it was very memorable. It was a lot of fun, and it was a good use of social validation with the star power and used some humor. They also used Michael Buble, who is, a, I think I got that one right, a famous singer, to promote their new a bubbly drink. And so another star power, it's called social validation. You like them. It's funny. Connects you with the products. So, Pepsi used a good form of social validation, connecting star power with their product. Great use of humor was Amazon. Not everything makes the cut. They're getting some bad PR lately, and they were looking for some humor and some good, just good social connection. Humor does that. It connects you with people. Even though it wasn't really marketing anything, it worked out pretty well. Now, they've done MRIs with these commercials, different Super Bowl commercials, not necessarily this year. And the ones that are most memorable are the ones that are emotional. That's what people tend to remember. And that award goes to Microsoft. They did a heartfelt Super Bowl spot with kids with some disabilities. And they have this new Xbox adaptive controller that anybody, regardless of their disability, can use their equipment. can be gaming with any other kid's And it didn't matter if they had any disability. They win the emotional award, and that's probably one that's going to have the most impact because that's what people remember more. Now, humor's good. People remember that. But people have a hard time connecting the good laugh and humor. Then you ask them later, what company was that? And they can't remember. So those would be the best. Now, the worst, and let's learn some persuasive principles here. This would be the blunder. Homer? Don't, don't, don't. The first one would go to Turkish Airlines. They had this video. It was a promotional video from a famous producer to celebrate, I think it was 85 years of Turkish Airlines. It was all put together, but a confused mind says, no, I didn't know what to do, what it wanted me to do, where to go, what they were promoting, if I should purchase an airline ticket. Again, it was interesting what they did. They put a lot of money into it, but it didn't really persuade me to do what they wanted them to do. Then the bad subconscious trigger ward goes to Mint Mobile, who did chunky style milk. Now that we all know that 95% of persuasion influence involves a subconscious trigger, of feeling, I like it, I don't like it, I trust them, I don't trust them. Colors, smells, visuals, how close you stand, gestures, word choice, we've talked about this. Anyway, they were talking about this internet provider, Mint Mobile, and drinking chunky style rotten milk you are trying to make the correlation that if you do that, you're probably paying too much for your internet. But it just gives you that feeling inside. It's a bad subconscious trigger. And that bad feeling would also go towards the advertiser. The Did Not Cut Through the Clutter Award goes to Wix. They help develop websites. It was just a basic commercial. They've probably run it before. Maybe it's pulled well in the past. But you have to understand the expectations of an audience. They come to watch commercials and see where you rate How good it is. Does it make them laugh? Does it make them feel good? And this was just a standard commercial, and it did not stand out. It did not meet expectations. Even though maybe on a normal television night, it might work well, it did not for the Super Bowl. And the award for being incongruent or triggering the wrong emotion goes to Kia. Now, this commercial starts out with this kind of sad music, and they're talking about, we're not famous, we're not stars, we're completely unknown. In fact, my son-in-law thought it was a commercial for depression or suicide. I mean, that's how it started. And that kind of picked up. They talked about how they make great cars. It was a commercial for Kia, and it picked up from there, but it just triggered the wrong emotions. And they talked about how they build great cars that do something great, but just the way it started, it was incongruent and did not ring true and was not persuasive. So there you got it, the best and worst, not by likability, but by persuadability of the Super Bowl commercials. I will leave links on those at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or email me at Kurt, K-O-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It's also a place to go to take your Persuasion IQ, get the free book Maxim Influence, or check out some of the training programs we've been putting together. Remember, we're on iTunes and YouTube at Maximize Your Influence. Stay tuned. If you market on the internet, you want to know how Amazon's going to control the world. I've got a great interview with Adam Hudson. In fact, let's break to that interview now. Really appreciate you being here. We've got a special guest today, Adam Hudson. He's the founder of Reliable Education and seven-figure Amazon seller. Adam is a highly sought-after Amazon expert and coaches new and established Amazon sellers in 16 different countries. He's a passionate philanthropist, having funded over 6,000 interest-free microloans to entrepreneurs in third-world countries, and more than 1,000 blind people have been healed as a result of his giving. Good stuff. Welcome, Adam.
1: Good. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's good. So Adam's from Australia and uh, other side of the world. We're connecting to help you teach some things as entrepreneurs, as, as influencers, things that can really help you out. But we always start off with our guest, Adam, to ask you, and we need to know this, what is the worst vegetable in the world and why?
1: <laughs> well, I'm pretty much a vegetarian, so I've tried a lot of veggies, but probably eggplant. I just don't like it. I don't like the hard skin, the chewiness of the edges. I'm not a big fan of eggplant. Just don't like the taste, nothing about it.
0: Oh, yeah. That's at least my top two, top three. My mom used to grow it. I used to go steal the flowers off the plant, so they'd grow big and green, but no eggplants would come. So so she would always (laughs) wonder what happened. But I'm with you on eggplant. So your specialty, of course, is Amazon and marketing and a few other things. What do you see, before we get into that, what do you see as the, when people get on the internet, they try to market, whether it be on Amazon or other things, what do you think the biggest mistake or blunder is that internet marketers are doing right now, that are just, that's holding them back, that's maybe something they don't realize?
1: Lack of authenticity would be my (laughs) number one. What most people do is they're just copying what they see everybody else doing, um, and rather than trying to find and publish their authentic voice, which should be grounded in massive experience and um, uh, you know, in what you're talking about. And if you really know what you're doing and you've got an authentic voice, that's what I believe will find traction.
0: I love that word. It comes up quite a bit when we talk about charisma and influence, being authentic, being genuine. What do you think of the number one, two, maybe three things that cause people to sense, to feel that you're actually genuine or authentic?
1: Well, I think a lot of marketers make the mistake Kurt, that they underestimate the audience, um, and they also underestimate themselves. So, what I mean is, they human beings are incredibly nuanced, incredibly uh, sensitive, uh, intelligent people. You know, we can tell, regardless of race or uh, where they're from, pretty quickly whether somebody is trying to emulate what they've seen somebody else do or whether they're just authentically being themselves. Like authenticity is not something you can really teach. It's just something that people either do or don't do. And now in the the age of, you know, like I run an Instagram accounts and all these different things, but the videos and the messages that convert best are quite often the lowest production value, but because people are looking for real. And, um, you know, we, we hire the best Facebook agency in the world. We spend millions of dollars online on Facebook and YouTube every year. And they tell us, Content that is shot on an iPhone is actually converting better than highly produced content. We have an in-house videography team, and um, we still produce stuff on an iPhone because it cuts through because people are looking for real.
0: Got it. That makes sense. And when you look at it, I mean, people just kind of have this feeling. I, mean, I teach all the time on the show that most of influence involves a subconscious trigger or a feeling. It feels right. It doesn't feel right. It's genuine. It's not genuine. Are there other things people are doing on their, their marketing, whether it be anywhere that would cause that red flag to go up cause people like no 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 let's start real
1: yeah i mean we we sort of uh with our marketing like we work in a pretty snaky business you know we work in the te- broadly speaking our main company is teaching people how to make money on amazon which falls broadly into the how to make money online group of um you know or niche or category and it's a really snaky business and So we sort of go out of our way in our marketing funnels and messaging to say, upfront guys, this is really a difficult business like all businesses. And, you know, statistics out from market polls tell you that 98% of people who open Amazon accounts never list a product. They all quit before they even begin. It's not easy starting businesses. And if you're looking for a lotto win or a lottery win, this is not the place to come. And it's sort of the brutal honesty is what cuts through. And, I look at Gary Vaynerchuk, who I recently did a speaking tour with, and Gary's just Gary. Like, a lot of people just try to be Gary, and I'm like, no, the real message of Gary is Gary is himself, authentically unadjusted, and that's why he has such a big following.
0: And that's what I love about you. I mean, you're completely honest. You're up front. You're like, you know, buckle up. This is going to take a couple years. (laughs) It's not like winning the lottery or get rich quick. I mean, you're in a brutal industry, right, with making money, that type of thing, but being honest, being open, I think in the long run it definitely pays out.
1: Oh yeah, and I think I think it pays out in the short run. I think in the first thirty seconds, people judge you by what comes out of your mouth. And if you say, "Hey, listen, if you're tired of all the rubbish and the hype and all that stuff, uh, and you want a real business, you don't mind working hard as long as there's a good result at the end of it in a few years from now," then I'm for you. If not, watch somebody else. And that is that's our tribe. So we call our tribe out right at the beginning and as a result we build a great business.
0: It's possible. Awesome. and it manages expectations, yep. that's very, very helpful. So tell us, big picture, you know, the, this disruption of retail, Amazon, everything that's happening, what do you see in the next two, three, five years as far as this disruption in the future of the internet and selling online?
1: I think it's really simple, Kurt, um, you know, it's a globalized world that we live in now your competition isn't just the person in the same state as you or the same country, it is the planet. And if you look at a global picture, India and China are turning out millions of PhD-educated people every year, literally. And so the commodity of value going forward is not education, it's creativity, in my opinion. So those who are able to think like um, original thoughts, original art, um, original creativity, that is what's going to be rewarded in a world where there are millions of people with certificates um, and uh, credentials. Are they able to think? If you look at Steve Jobs, he was the, a perfect synthesis of a uh, businessman and artist, you know? So I think creativity and original thought, being able to connect the dots where others can't, is where the value is going to be moving toward. Is that something
0: that you teach is creativity?
1: 100%. Yeah. We yes. We teach, you know, we don't teach hacks. We teach how to think and how to <laughs> an, analyze. You can buy software to am, am, analyze Amazon. It'll tell you how much money each product's making and all that stuff. But the real success is um, long-term success is in seeing beyond the data and to what consumers need or want or could need or want.
0: Well, I love it. I think creativity is important and it's something that we all know can be learned. People give up too fast, but being creative, thinking differently. And like you said, there's gonna be a lot of more worldwide competition, and we've uh, everybody needs to up their game.
1: A hundred percent, and it can be learned. You know, it's a case of, you know, getting getting with some people or, with you, and have a couple of glasses of wine and start thinking outside the square.
0: So you think that's the best way for being creative is just surrounding yourself with different people, different thoughts, lots well, of wine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we teach liquid creativity. We're Aussie. We like <laughs> <to drink.
0: laughs> I love that, liquid creativity. All right, we'll have to remember that one.
1: (laughs) But but certainly, I mean, just learning, like start noticing in the world what you're drawn to and then having meaningful conversations with people you respect about why you're drawn to that. So, for example, if you're drawn to Tesla, just try and deconstruct the Tesla product. Think about the way they thought about their product. So think about the creative process. Start to look at Apple computers and start to notice the details. When you get an Apple product, you can't wait to get home and unbox it. You don't know why until you stop and really notice the details of how everything is put together in that box and all the thought and care. You open the thing without a manual and you can use it. So just notice brands that you love, but really notice. And most people don't really notice anything in life anymore because they're rushing somewhere. They're not in their bodies anymore. You know, we're, we're in the future or in the past, but we're not in the moment. And, it, you know, that's why mindfulness now, I believe, is a actual business skill of value.
0: Well, I'm with you on Apple products. Just when you get that package, it reeks of excitement and authenticity and fun. And they spend all that time on that. It makes all the difference in the world just coming in a box and just opening it. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. You know, you do a lot with Amazon. Do you feel that? Amazon's a place to market or having your own web presence or all of the above? What are your feelings now? Uh,
1: Look, I think, uh, you know, it's both. I think Amazon's a great place to start because they account now in the U.S. for 50% of all e-commerce. So add up every website in America that sells anything, collectively, the sales of every other website equals the same of the sales on Amazon. And two-thirds of Amazon sales are done by private sellers like me. So that's billions and billions of dollars a year being done on a website that you didn't have to build and you don't have to warehouse your goods and you don't have to um, find the customers. So what you can do from there is then start your own e-com site. Once you've started using Amazon for testing and getting some traction, there's definitely value in having your own Shopify store or e-com store. But I think Amazon's a great place to start because it, it overcomes a lot of the roadblocks for people trying to get started online, which all the logistics, fulfillment, trying to find customers, websites, all that.
0: Now what Do you know the percent for the worldwide audience? I know it's huge here in the United States. Is Do you have a percent there? Or they revealed that information.
1: Uh, yeah, no, they're huge in Europe as well. Uh, our top student does about $20 million a year on Amazon. Of that, 93% of it comes from Europe and only 7% comes from the U.S., So there's huge markets. Germany and the UK combined are roughly about the same size uh, revenue-wise as Amazon in America. So Amazon's huge. It's just opened in Australia, but it's really hard for people to get their head around how big Amazon has become. Uh, It is an absolute monster of a business. Um, So there's 2 million Amazon sellers globally. I mean, it's a huge, huge army of people making a living on the platform.
0: And now they're testing those instant delivery with drones, that's gonna change everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, well we'll see. I, mean, I I don't know if that's gonna happen anytime soon. Uh but um yeah there's a lot a lot of uh you know, problems there.
0: Well, it, well yeah, they talk about the drones, yeah, but I can see the problem, the drones and the blimps of the skies and everything. I mean a lot <laughs> of liability there, but it's sure fun to think about with the we're, they're yeah. thinking big picture, like you said, outside the box being very creative. So how does the average person get started on Amazon? I mean what's hurdle or is it pretty simple?
1: Oh, look, it's pretty simple. You can open up an Amazon seller account in 10 minutes and then you can send a product into their warehouses or you can fulfill it yourself if you want to. But if you if you want them to fulfill it, you have to join what's called FBA, Fulfilled by Amazon, which is pretty easy to do. It's just checking a box in the sign-up process. And that'll enable you to send your stuff to them and then when a sale gets made, they'll, they'll pick, pick it, pack it, ship it. So it's not complex. Technically, where the education is required is around how to find products that are likely to succeed, and then there's a lot of risk around the um, ordering of products. Let's say you're going to order a 1,000 you know, fitness balls from China. There's a whole lot of risk around that if you don't know what you're doing in terms of how to um, s- sort um, supplies in China, how to contract with them, how much to pay them, how to pay them, when to pay them, how to get your products inspected, all of that kind of stuff. So um, there's a lot of requirement, in my view, for education around those pieces in particular in in this business, the most important thing is finding the right product to sell and creating a brand. You know that's the part most people need the training. Is there a certain
0: area or niche? I mean, Amazon sells everything, obviously. Is there a certain area or niche that you gravitate to that you really like that can increase that success, or is it what lot of people love?
1: No, there are opportunities everywhere. You know, there's huge opportunities in medical, for example. I teach people there's all kinds of ju- animals in the jungle, and one of the animals is a lion. So Lions are huge multinational companies that nobody's really competed with. If you look at Dollar Shave Club, they took on Gillette razors and they ended up getting bought for a billion dollars in three years. So they basically were an upstart that took on a lion in the jungle who was big and lazy and full of food, and they snuck in the cave and ate some. If you look at the uh, medical category, for example, huge money. Like if you look up a shower chair for for an elderly person or somebody who's disabled to get showered in, they do like eighty to to $100,000 a month on Amazon, but they're all exactly the same. They're white plastic with grey legs. Nobody has put any love or creativity into that particular you know, product, but there's a ton of medical products. I think there's still in medical in the US with the legalisation of marijuana, there's a huge boom in things like smell-proof cases and fortunes being made in just the most crazy little niches you would, you would never even think of, like, you know, silicon moulds to make marijuana-shaped chocolates, you know. Um, uh-huh. it's, it's just amazing where, where money's moving. And, uh, so, but there's opportunity everywhere in all categories. The, the only ones I'd stay away from are probably supplements and skincare, unless you have experience in that. It's a big boys game or a big girls game. You know, you need a bit of money and a lot of experience to compete in those categories.
0: Well, you're right about the disruption. You look at, you know, Airbnb and Uber and Lyft and all these things that have just, basically being creative and thinking differently. It's just changing. Well, yeah. Let's ask you this. I mean there's a lot of products on Amazon. What is a if you were to choose one thing to break through the clutter, I mean there's always gonna be competition, right? Always somebody else selling something somewhat similar. Do you feel is it the the search terms, the sales copy, the picture? If you were to choose the one most important thing for Amazon or maybe any web page, what would it be?
1: On Amazon is definitely what we call visual differentiation. So When people go to Amazon, it's exactly like Tinder, right? So Tinder is an app that young people use mainly to to find a man or a woman to go out with. And basically you put, I'm looking for a girl or a guy, and then a photo pops up, and then you swipe left or right. And this is exactly what people do on Amazon. They type in, I'm looking for a stuffed penguin for my child. The first thing they look at are the photos of the penguins, right? So it's the photo first. So there's two aspects to a photo. One is the way it's shot, and the other is the product itself. So if you can visually differentiate, if you can find a penguin that's not on Amazon that's super cute, then that's the first battle. And the second one is to photograph it really, really well uh, and and don't sort of skimp out, you know, really stage it beautifully, get an attractive child with a beautiful penguin, you know, like really it's really winning the visual game first, assuming everything else was equal in terms of the price of the product and so on. It's the way it, it looks and the way it's photographed are the first battle to win. And then, of course, it's keywords. You know, unless you've got your keywords right, you're not even going to be discovered. Unless you've got your advertising right, you're not going to be seen. So you've got to have that product right first and then assuming that you can figure out the keyword side and the, uh, the advertising side.
0: Got it. When the Amazon pulls up in different countries, is that a separate website? Is that a separate front page? Is it always the same?
1: No, it's a separate marketplace. So AmazonAustralia.com, so Amazon.com.au in Australia, Amazon.co.uk in the UK, uh, .fr in France, .it in Italy. So they're all different marketplaces. You can ship your inventory into any of the warehouses in in uh, any of those marketplaces, and then you can sell to the consumers there. So it's it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you in the past, there's no way that you could expand a physical products business into Germany, for example, without going there. Uh, finding a third-party fulfillment service to warehouse and ship your goods. With Amazon, it's just easy. You just ship it straight in. You open an account. They give you the address. You send your stuff there. You'll put up your listing. They'll even translate it for you, and you're now making German Deutschmarks.
0: Wow. Yeah. Amazon has thought it throughout. That's true. That, like you mentioned, where else they do most of the heavy lifting for you if you can find that right product and get a good picture and the right keywords. Eventually, <laughs> over time, everyone could be successful. I mean, that's a, that's what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah. You've got to get that bit right.
0: So anything that I left out about the power of Amazon or or people getting started?
1: Uh, look, not really. I mean, I was, I've was i been in business for 25 years and the first half of that, I was selling, or the first two-thirds of that time, I, I was always selling services. You know, consulting, coaching, capital raising services. I came from finance. I had an animation company that I owned in Hollywood for five years. I sold it in 2015. But Amazon was the first time I sold a physical product. And for people listening today that are on a mission to get their life back, the products offer something genuinely unique because when somebody writes a check out to hire you for speaking or hire me for speaking, we've got to go and do that work. No matter how big the check is, it's going to take a chunk of our life. Whereas a product that's on Amazon just sells while well, all of our Australian students wake up in the morning check their amazon seller account in the u.s and they've got money in the account that was sold overnight in america there are very few businesses outside of physical product businesses that you can experience that because ultimately you're either selling your time or selling the time of somebody else that you have to employ so moving over to the product uh, world has its challenges of sourcing and all that stuff but the upside is that you can be anywhere and your money comes in like a rock star like in royalty so um it's a, it's a really powerful um, concept, whether it's Amazon or something else. Amazon just happens to be where all the traffic is and will, where all the assistance is um, if you want to really leverage and be able to live anywhere in the world and have your money earned in U.S. dollars. So it's hugely appealing to people outside the U.S. I with you.
0: There's nothing better than waking up and checking your email and seeing how much money you made while you were sleeping. <laughs> you then, sleep a lot better at night when that tends to happen. So that's something everybody can work towards. So Adam, that's great information. Got a big picture of how Amazon and the power there and how it's pretty much taken over the world and uh, everyone should get a little piece of that action. Where can people go to find out more about you and about uh, Amazon and or what you do?
1: There's probably two spots. One is Instagram, which is Adam adamhudsonofficial. Uh, just look me up. It's free if you want to follow. I do free coaching every morning for 5 or 10 minutes. Uh, just on life and entrepreneurship, and uh, also our website, reliable.education. So there's no .com, it's not .edu, it's just reliable.education, and you can uh, find us there.
0: Adam, appreciate your time, your good information, and getting up early and helping us out on the podcast. And everyone, check out that website at reliable.education, get more information. Think about posting some of your products onto Amazon and get that little residual income into your life. So everyone take that information, use it, and go out and persuade with power.